Hey friends, welcome to the Johnson City Living Podcast, where we learn about the people, places, events, and flavors that make Johnson City a lovely place to live. It is a brisk, beautiful, last November day here in Johnson City. I'm here with a good friend of mine. Um, we've known each other for quite a while. He runs a couple of organizations and just is a great guy. I'm excited for you to get to know my friend, Randy Hensley. Drum roll. <laughs> That's right. He has one of the best voices, too, that's going to be on this podcast for you guys. So it'll be a treat listening to him and not listening to me. I have been told I have a face for radio. Hey, I've heard the (laughs) same thing from me, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, first question, because this is Johnson City Living Podcast. Okay. What do you love about Johnson City? Gosh, you know, I was thinking just recently how great it is to live in Johnson City. Now, I guess one of the top things for me is size. Mm-hmm. I think it's the perfect size. Right. Do you mind if it gets a little bigger? People are coming. Uh, sure. I okay. know. I know they have to. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it can outgrow what I like. Right. I don't think it can get that big. Yeah. Um, having lived not in major cities, um, but in bigger cities, mm-hmm. Johnson City to me is this, this 60, 70, 80,000 size to me makes it so easy to get around in. Um, so I love size, but I guess what I like more than that, if you, if I'm thinking through this process and out loud is the people, I mean, it's just the easiest place to live in the world. People are just, uh, they're kind, they're common. They're, uh, they're really trying to just live their lives in a good way. And, mm. and uh, it shows up every day when you go to the store and the post office and yeah, I like the people. Yeah, it's um, that's what everybody says is the people, the it. mountains and the people are the I two top, it. our two top answers, and the people are fantastic. Yeah. And I've never said the mountains because I grew up in Mountain City. This is true, and you got you out of the mountains. Never <laughs> once thought about the mountains. We walked up and down them. We right, you, you were know, like, uh, mm-hmm. I was working, not hiking. That's right, to do stuff that's on the side of the mountain, up rock. That's right. Yeah, growing up, so I really have never thought of them. Now, love them, love the beauty of them, oh, yeah. love the way they look, love the seasons there's another thing people mm. don't get oh, i man. talk to people all the time that come in and say you know i've never had seasons like this we love your seasons yeah. I, said, I love my seasons are you staying or written <laughs> you're moving out or coming in yeah because uh, we just had a beautiful fall we still have a few trees or yes. leaves on the trees and um and the crazy thing's the weather right i mean like it was 20 degrees this morning it's going to be a high, it was a high 40 yesterday and then friday it's going to be like 70. Yep, it is. So I'm going to swing the little clubs. On I think Friday. I'm going to play a little golf too. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, okay, so tell the audience the Randy Hensley story. Where so you started in? Oh my gosh, not like two hours <laughs> worth. I mean, well, we could go for days Still, on your story. That's right. <laughs> but just tell us a little bit about you. How you got to Johnson City? You know, I think you're married. You've got some kids, kind of, and then what you do for a living. Um. Grew up Mountain City, left, went to college to be a, I think, an accountant. Ha, didn't fit. But uh, you're still good with numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do like numbers. Yeah. So went to school a couple of years, what was Tri-City State Tech, I think. Okay. Time, and, nice. Uh, yeah, I got saved at 19. Was pretty crazy before that, but just didn't get caught at anything. So I was always <laughs> kind of under the table. Sneaky. Had a brother that wasn't. He got caught at everything. Well, that's good. That kept you out yeah, off the radar. Look that's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. You're like, thanks, bro. So got saved at 19 um, and decided I was going into ministry. Felt a call to ministry. So 
did my third year in ETSU. That's where I, I got saved after a Van Halen concert. Oh. I went to jail. Nobody knew about it. It oh. didn't. They tried to find me. I was lost for three days, had a concussion. Crazy stories like that, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot to all that. And, that's cool. Yeah. That's That'll what, be in your book one day. That's what refocused me and said, I think I'm a little out of my lane. Maybe off and my met, directional path. met Jesus um, through a couple of uh, pastor had moved into our area. Had stayed out of school a semester, met Jesus, felt the call to ministry, and he kind of pointed me toward Athens, Tennessee, to Tennessee Wesleyan. Yeah. So now I'm in my fourth and fifth year of college, changing for the third time a direction. In, I think in they college. like it when you do that. That's more money for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> and I always worked. So at this point, I had opened one, I think I would be in my second company opening while going to school so it's, oh, this is my second company and uh it's a tire and automotive service center in athens oh cool mm-hmm. it was things were good i thought i was rich i'll never forget making twenty one thousand dollars a year when i was 21 and oh, i man. thought i was rich yeah. dude at 21 going, that was strong going to school full time you were rich at night time and that's when i met my current wife and only wife that mm-hmm. sounds a little weird i guess 30 33 years ago or so nice uh yeah we met while i was a youth director at her church which was a class i wasn't uh, i think it was paid but i was it was a semester class and um and uh, what do they say i was saved but i wasn't sanctified totally <laughs> are your listeners okay yes okay yes, well, I, think uh, so. I got i got melanie pregnant and I thought my life was ruined. I thought it's over. I was the worst guy in the world. I thought I hadn't even begun to know the depth of which I would go. Yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> um, so, so literally, I quit school because I was filled with shame. Right. Um, and left Athens, uh, which the crazy part of that story is I'm, um, I, I chose to marry Melanie. Because her mom said she would pay for a divorce. She wanted her daughter having a baby married, not out of wedlock. Oh. It was a kind of a... Kind of a... Yeah. Just a, a, this is how it needs to like. be kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Got it. So we got married. Um, small small wedding. Joke. It was supposed to have been a small wedding, but they invited everybody and acted like everything was normal. So literally one person <laughs> would shake my hand and the next one would whisper in my ear, I didn't think you'd show up. Oh yeah, it was it was really interesting, and and literally the next day I drove a twenty four foot U haul, four and a half hours away, never planning on seeing Melanie again, and and I just left her after thirty three. I'm left her at the house just uh, <laughs> thirty three years. So uh, that just shows you know how big God is. He is. I'm, yeah. I moved back to Mountain City for a few months. Ended up in Johnson City. Um, Opened a third company there. Melanie followed, and uh, to Johnson City, and we, uh, she wanted to be married, and I wanted to honor God mm-hmm. better than I had been. So I said, I went down to that same pastor's house in Florida. I got saved under, and God said, if you know, you need to do the right thing here and take care of her. So I said, right. okay, moved in. If and you're faithful, I'll be faithful. That's right. And so we went for three years, 
uh, I got an opportunity to open another company in Knoxville. These are tire automotive stores? Mm-hmm. All cool. of them, yeah. And uh, so we moved to Knoxville and uh, was there for two and a half, three years probably. Okay. Um, and uh, Melanie stepped out of line and, and made a mistake and ended up leaving uh, me and our, our only daughter at the time, Bethany, would have been about three years old. Uh, I moved back to Johnson City um, three years after that. Melanie, so we've been separated now and divorced for two and a half to three years. Okay. And Melanie moves back to back. Johnson City and says. From Knoxville. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be together. And I said, don't want to. <laughs> no. And um, and God said, yes. You know, he goes a little deeper than everybody else. So yeah. he said, yeah, I want you to be married. He literally, uh, I mean, very specifically said, if you'll uh, reconcile and show the world that my intent in coming to the world was reconciliation, then I'll bless what you put your hands to. So how did he tell you that? Because I'm... We may have some listeners who were like, did he just audibly come and mm. sit down with you in the living room and tell you that? Or I would say uh, no, no. Um, I would tell you that I feel like I hear God on a regular basis. Um, I, I think God um, I think God told me to go back to the garage yesterday um, and because it, it caused me to do some things that I would have not done or found or had had I not went back to the garage. But it's a sense of listening that as you push into a relationship with God, one of the things uh, that people, I don't think, choose to give credit to, therefore they don't, they think it's their own ideas, Mm -hmm. is that when God speaks, he speaks in our spirit. And Mm -hmm. so when we know something, Mm -hmm. uh, often it can be God speaking to us rather than just us thinking, Mm -hmm. because he speaks supernatural spirit to spirit. And so... Often people will say, I just knew in my spirit. No, God just spoke to you in your spirit. And so the more I think you can give God credit, the more you can start recognizing that still small voice that that I think I heard that day, Mm. literally sitting at uh, Shoney's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, um, I kind of make a joke there and say I was, and I took, Melanie came by and, wanted me to go to lunch because she was wanting to get back together and I was wanting her to leave me alone, literally. <laughs> but I was just, and I said, so I took her out to lunch to Shoney's, which shows how much I wanted to impress her, right? Right, right, you're like. But I do like Shoney's. But anyway, um, went to Shoney's, sitting there at Shoney's. Um, that, that's when it all just came right in my head and I said, and I said, yes, let's get married. I think she's probably shocked, but we got married and then, we had uh, we were living in Piney Flats, and we had our second child, and then eleven and a half months later we had our third. Two years had our fourth, two years had our fifth, and a year and a half or so we had, we adopted our we received our sixth child, Mr. Dominic. Dominic, yeah, good work. That's cool. So in the middle of all that, I started. Uh, called back to ministry. So I quit it when, when all that went down the first time. And so when me and Melanie remarried, um, I had an opportunity. I want to say God opened the door for me to go speak at a church. And I went and 
they didn't have a pastor, and it was this little small country church, 19 people at it. I mean, the Waltons, Little House on the Prairie oh, kind of thing. Cool. Yeah, this is white frame, wood plank benches, no air conditioning, windows up in the summertime type stuff. Seats about 80 people. And I spoke on a on a Sunday morning. Man, the funny quick story. I, I walked in. The guy was going to introduce me, and he set me on the right side of the church. It was one middle aisle. And he went up, and he was leading the church, and he said, I want to introduce you to your speaker. And, and so I sit about halfway up the church, and I turned to my left to see, to acknowledge people. Nobody was on my side of the church. I was the only <laughs> guy sitting on the right side of the church. It was so weird. And I look around, and the only people there are on the two back rows of the church, and they're just sitting there looking at you, you know, with a grin on their face. And literally, God blessed us. I was there for six and a half years. Oh, and wow. man. So I just went to speak that day, and they asked me to come back. I ended up staying for six and a half years. That was in the Methodist church, and because previously I had went into the ministry through the Methodist church, I'd already done all this um, work that they require for you to be licensed as a local pastor. So they just pulled all that paperwork back up and said, well, you've done everything you need to do. We just let you stay there. And so that's how that's me cool. going back into the ministry began. It was, and so. And all the prep work you'd done. That's right. And off. so six and a half years there, God bless that church. We had to have multiple services. He just filled it up. People got saved, man. I didn't know what I was doing, just loving people and preaching and learning how much I love to preach. Mm. Um, so in the middle, I started the coalition for, I did, let me say I was the founding director of the coalition for kids. It wasn't my idea. It was uh, a pastor, uh, Hagen McClellan mm -hmm. and Mitch Cox were the two who drew me into a group of seven uh, who had started the idea for the coalition for kids. And then about three years later, I started a uh, founding pastor of the rock fellowship, which is those two places where we are today. Yeah. I, I, there you are caught up in 40 years. Whew. That was quick ish. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Tell me about it. Nobody's ever said that to me, you know. And um, so you married Melanie twice. I did. You planning on doing that again? or? Uh, uh, well, we say we've been married 33 years off and on. Right. So that's a, third, uh, third time's a charm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Consider we I renew let, vows or something. I did leave her this morning. Well, <laughs> currently I'm separated. Carly's at the house. Too. <laughs> you got a buddy who always comes oh, and goes, boy, oh, you funny. guys are separated, huh? Mm. I'm like, yeah. That's good. We are. That's we good. are. So tell me about um, Coalition for Kids. Uh, tell our listeners about what the Coalition for Kids is. Why did it get started? Yeah, there you go. That'd be, that'd be good. Oh, let me tell you. Greatest story ever, if you can Ooh, I like let this. me do this. Well, it We really, have the greatest really story ever on the podcast right Yes, now. we're not going to do the Bible here, but we are going to do the, the greatest story ever. <laughs> Second greatest. By Randy Hensley. Um, <laughs> let me tell you how the Coalition started. This is the coolest thing ever. So first of all, let me tell anybody who's listening over 11,000 kids have come through our doors in the last 22 years that we've ministered to. Um, and the reason I'm starting there is I want to take you back to how it started so you can have the idea of anything uh, that, you, that you want to do. Um, if thought out well, if, if or not if thought out well, I take that back. If you've got a heart and God sent you to do it, God's put it on your heart to do it, it's amazing what can happen if you just take your steps forward every day and honor God. And that's how I say I've done this whole thing. So here's how it started. A church of 50 people with no kids, no money, um, 
who is literally planning on, uh, they had hired an architect to build a design a wall to go between their church and uh, Tyler Apartments. Oh yeah, because the people right where you're at. the people at Tyler were spray paint vandalizing the church, so they figured the best way to fix it is to build a wall. Mm-hmm. When this new pastor Hagen McClellan gets assigned to the church, and Hagen comes in and says, "You know, why don't we pray?" I always said they prayed down instead of thought up an idea. Uh, they prayed <laughs> down. Uh, uh, they, they met in a group in a basement of, of probably ten of them, and said, "We want to pray." Uh, until we get an idea of what God wants us to do that would take 25 years of vision and only be so big that only God would get credit. Mm-hmm. They came up with three things. They wanted to uh, build a playground instead of a wall in Tyler Apartments. They wanted to build, build a uh, start a community center for the kids in Tyler for Tyler Apartments. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to start what today is called God's Corner. Which, for our listeners, Tyler Apartments is a lower-to-income apartment building. Well, there are three or four buildings there. There's, there it's, are a bunch, but the key about that is they're they, they are the first per- privately-owned state-subsidized housing in the state of Tennessee. Oh, I didn't know that. No, I tell that because when you're that old, you sometimes aren't cared for as much mm. when your property mm-hmm. gets to that age so it was probably 25 years ago the worst right. living in Johnson City, yeah. uh, or some of it anyway. And backed up to the Johnson City Country Club, yes. which was one of the nicest Boy, places in town. Yeah. What a contrast. <laughs> it was, right, just by a fence. Standing in front of that fence, uh-huh. yeah, watching the golf bag follow the guy up the, you know, while your kid's standing here with no socks on. Right. is pretty bizarre. Yeah. So that church came, came up, prayed down, these three things. That's really cool. And... So with uh, with that idea, they they uh, talked Mitch Cox into giving some money to help build the playground, and one of his people helped build it. And so once they got it built, Mitch said, we need to do more than just a playground for these kids. And boom, the Coalition for Kids idea came up. And I say, think about this. They had no money. They had no kids. They only had what I – they had the generations of people who had prayed before them mm. – that lived in Tyler, I always so the the the, generate, the mothers and grandmothers mm. who prayed for their kids to have a way out. Uh, it ended up in the lap of that church and that little group of people who could have done nothing and been totally satisfied, but decided to do something so big they couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And twenty two years later, eleven thousand kids have been ministered to on, on top of countless others and volunteers and staff that have gone through our doors. It's crazy how cool that story is that is cool yeah yeah he our father is just an amazing it's, god i mean he yeah it's crazy it's crazy yeah so and, he, and it took a lot of obedience right i mean you had to those guys had to believe and you had to believe and, and then step out in faith and go well, you know i said hey i ran into hagen first and he said you ought to come on board and i said not for me i'm looking to do something big something <laughs> god wants me to do right mitch ran into him two weeks later he said we had this story because he was a customer of mine and he said, we ought to think I was looking for full-time ministry, but not in the Methodist church because um, I wanted to stay where I was. Right. And I was they tired of being around. A, yeah. Yep. And I was tired of being a bivocational pastor. And I thought, I just want to do one job. Wouldn't that be cool? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> no, hadn't done that in 27 years. So um, Mitch uh, asked me and I said, no, I wanted to see what God wanted me to do. It's going to mm-hmm. be with adults and it's going to be big. Mm-hmm. 
nope, not going to happen. <laughs> so, so every time somebody tells me they know what God wants them to do, I go, I know you think you do. But if you just went to work every day and honored God mm. and kept moving mm-hmm. um, and serving him what the best you could with what you got, you'll end up being happier than you would have ever been doing whatever you think you right. wanted to Striving do. Striving for something that's yeah. Yeah, in your heart. It's just dangerous to think that you're good enough and pure enough to know what your future needs to be. It's just a little dangerous. I got no problem with somebody going towards something mm-hmm. as long as they're able to be moved on that path and mm-hmm. not stuck to it uh, alone. It can just become and look and develop as God develops us. You better be ready for your for your dreams to change some because mm-hmm. I sure hope your same dreams aren't the same dreams you had when you weren't developed right. in uh, as a child of God. Yeah, and to stay faithful to that once you hear him tell you what you feel like he's telling you to do, it may not happen overnight. That's right. I mean, you got to wait. We're 22 years. Yeah. In our third year, we were, this is cool, we we were, I I would raise money to pay the bills for a week, and the next week I would raise money to pay the payroll. And I did that. It was like, I don't know if I want to do this forever. It made you a great fundraiser. You do okay, fundraising. (laughs) Yes. So today, how many many kids are going to be at Coalition this afternoon? Uh, Two numbers. Pre-pandemic, 450. Oh, wow. Post-pandemic, 250. Okay. Yeah. Uh, The comeback has been very interesting to see that the, the number of kids that we were operating with prior to the pandemic is there stayed at home not wow it is and i've talked to a lot of different nonprofits. they're all telling us the same thing you know we're hearing the same kind of thing now we're still growing and we may land closer to 350 before the year's up mm-hmm. um, which i really do expect to and we might end up back where we were but yeah the post-pandemic numbers are not uh, are frustrating that we have this opportunity to yeah. offer these kids and families and and they're not taking advantage of it and what do you offer them? We offer them a place to be safe when they get out of school. You know, the number one time for a child to have a, a crime committed against them or them to commit a crime is between the hours of 3 o'clock and 6 o'clock. Um, I didn't know that. Yes. Uh, it is, uh, well, it's just a national statistic. I gotcha. mean, it's a national number, colon, Powell mm-hmm. was the one who uh, created this in what was called at the time America's Promise. And so so we said we want to impact kids in that window. Mm. Of course, we stretched it to seven. used to be eight. Right. We backed off to seven. So we give kids a safe place to go between three and, and seven o'clock. When they get there, they get what I got when I got out of school in Mountain City. I got off the bus on Harbin Hill at Granny's house. Uh-huh. I went in, and I got a snack. And then I did my homework, and then we had supper, and then I got to go outside and play. Nice. That's literally the setup of the coalition. We just do it with a whole lot of technical skills now. <laughs> it's a little different than Granny. <laughs> yeah. But so we do. We give them a snack when they get there. That's great. Um, get them we, energized again. Yeah, then we get on our homework, and everybody does homework. And you have uh, lots of mentors that are helping got teach. 50 five staff. Yeah. So they've got pro- over probably 800 – Pre-pandemic number, 800 volunteers. Post-pandemic number, 400 volunteers. Yeah, big big differences in those type places. Uh, our so, volunteers are great, but it's, yes. It's a big deal. 
It is. It is. Um, How many counties do you serve? Well, we are in uh, Johnson City, all 11 schools in Johnson City, mm-hmm. and we are positioning to be, to go into uh, all 11 schools in Washington County. Okay. Um, and we're, we're doing a, a, a three- to five-year pilot project in Bristol okay. to develop. Um, the coalition has been... Um, let me see how to say this. The coalition has been appointed to as a model that isn't being done in the nation. Mm -hmm. And that what we're doing is trying to create a replicable, a duplicatable or a replication process where we can take a coalition concept Mm -hmm. and place it in rural areas throughout a 20 County region, uh, here and, that it can be self-sustaining by bring and bring resources into families in what I call after-school in-school programming. Mm-hmm. So we use all the schools wherever they are, and uh, we do the same thing we're currently doing here, uh, ex- except we bring more resources to needy families yeah. instead of trying to get families to the resources. Right. So that's the idea, and if that. If we get this done, we'll take another probably three years from, I'd say three years from now, two to three years from now. If we have this model in place, then I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if my hands will be on it or if somebody will own it and they'll go do something else or if the coalition will expand. I don't, I'm very comfortable with that. I don't own that. I'm okay with that. And however God, that's right. However God wants to take that. Um, I talked to a lady who, for 30 years, was an evaluator across the nation of positive youth development programs. She was one of only seven people that was sent by D.C. to to uh, to come up with the best practices of a youth development program. She retired here in Johnson City. Loves it. Uh, I met her about, I don't know, eight years ago. And she offered her services to do an evaluation of the coalition. That's one of the ways we landed on this model that mm-hmm. we didn't know we were. Mm-hmm. She said, Randy, I've worked my whole life just retired to find what I truly believe could change the world. And that's what you all do and the way you do it. I was like, wow, this is really cool. That is cool. It is. Cause you just think you're people doing yeah. a little work yeah. and truly God's using it in a, a, a way that, that that's uh, just surprising well and then you know the impact um with you helping these kids um i know one of your goals you've told me numerous times is if we can get them reading by three that's right they'll they're going to be a whole lot better off than if they don't you know if you don't read on scale by third grade you will this is interesting you will earn a million dollars less in your lifetime it's just garen it's a statistic it's hard to beat that's wow here's another one um I always say we're saving lives because literally you'll live seven years less in an eight county region here. The study was that you'll live seven years less if you're not reading on scale by third grade. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And then you were talking about, um, prison as well. Prisons. That's right. Tennessee, as well as many other states predict 10 years from now, their prison bed needs based on third grade reading scores. If kids aren't reading on third grade, there are 25 more times to go to jail do drugs and 22 times more likely to not graduate high school. And that just, just that one we're talking about reading, man. reading by third grade, third grade. We're talking because that is so amazing. Well, and the reason it's third grade 
is they don't teach you how to read after third grade. So I always say it this way. You read, uh, you learn to read to third grade, and then you read to learn after, after third, third grade. grade. So unless somebody's helping you catch up, you're going backwards. And that's what we do. 94% of our kids read on skill in third grade. 55% of Washington County's kids read on skill in third grade. So 39% of the kids in the state of Tennessee read on skill in third grade. Holy smokes. That's a post-pandemic number. So that's a number that has went down tremendously when they were out of school for a year. So right. that number will come back up. But even at its peak, it wasn't over 55. That's still amazing, isn't it? It is. It is. You know, we're going to be short of people going into the armed services because of their uneducated read. capacity. That's right. Their lack of education. Um, it's an amazing number how many kids cannot get into the armed services because yeah. of a lack of education. That's that's wild. Have we had a good time today, or what? How, do, do, do we get to do this all day? Do we, we could, just sit we could here talk, all day? Uh, I don't know that anybody would listen all day, but we can talk all day for sure. Um, well, you're doing an amazing work there for sure. Um, tell me about the Rock <coughs> Fellowship. The Rock Fellowship is, um, you know, people have often asked me time and time again, "What would you do if you had to pick one? Mm-hmm. You had to pick the Rock Fellowship and pastor preach." or the Coalition for Kids, and of course, I don't have to pick one, but if I had to pick one, my calling is to, to preach the gospel yeah. um, and uh, to pastor. The Coalition for Kids is something God used all of my gifts in and allowed those to be active in a lot of ways that you don't do in the church. Mm-hmm. But when I walk up and watch people's lives just get touched by the Holy Spirit and God uh, bring about reconciliation in people's lives and life change and thought change and heart change. Um, that's just the biggest, it's the greatest feeling on earth. There's nothing better. I said, I've for 20, I said 27 years, I've bivocationally been in ministry and preaching, uh, pastoring and working. I, I don't think anybody alive could say they've enjoyed their life the way I have. Not ever. I mean, there's not five days out of 27 years I didn't want to go to work. I right. mean, it's just all, it's just that I'm that in love with mm-hmm. what God's allowed me to do. And it so fits what God's allowed me to do. So yeah. it's a, it's a beautiful place. So the rock is very, people compare it to Bethel, um, out in California, I think, uh, um, it is a very, it's a contemporary worship, very, spirit field some people would use that term mm-hmm. uh, we worship we don't do the three songs we worship yeah. it's, a, it's at least 45 minutes of worship um two or three people speak but when it comes to preaching it's another 45 minutes of preaching um and then you know we we have that kind of old-fashioned altar call yeah. where we believe if you that the bible says to lay hands on people and pray for them they'll be healed and so we lay hands on people and it's shocking that people get healed. I mean, people think it's shocking. I kind of think it's cool because we do it and it happens. Yeah. God well, and we had lunch it. a month or look, probably six yes, weeks ago, we and did. you were telling me that you were, he- I mean, seeing lots of healings. The Lord is working like crazy yes. there. Yes. And and during a window of about three months, we were seeing, uh, we were seeing just every week it felt like one or more person was being instantly healed of whatever was being prayed for. Um, and so it was really just, it was, wow. It's like, this is, this is, these people aren't lying and making up stories. They're telling you the truth. And, 
and they're given a testimony of what they were healed from. That's continued, but it is a, it is a, it is a shift. There is a shift right now because there's like a revelation truth thing that's going on right now where people are just becoming eye open to, and we're in prayer. We've been teaching on prayer for about, I'd say six or eight weeks. Um, and it's just, it's just, uh, it's changing people's lives. That's awesome. It's a cool place to be. Yeah, that is awesome. Yep. Um, so you got a lot going on. You got six kids. You got grandkids. You got uh, leading the coalition. You're leading the rock. Give me a little, uh, give our listeners a little leadership advice on how do you handle all that well and, and at a high level, cause you're getting a lot of stuff done at each place. I feel like, and, um, I always look to you and I'm like, that guy is just knocking out of the park. Uh, people say that. <laughs> I mean, really. You're a good faker you know, then. I, <laughs> yeah, people say that. I want to I, I want to believe we're knocking it out of the park. I have, uh, I guess, one, one thing over time, um, having developed people who are with me. Let's say the coalition. Now, it's a... It's a one million, $1.6 million nonprofit, so it's large yeah. for our area. That's your annual budget. That's right, yeah. and that's large for our area. And when, when you're running, you know, 55 staff, and when you're running all these kids and all these volunteers, what I did um, was, was slowly but over time develop the right people. You, you know the phrase, the right people in the, on the bus in the right seats. And once I got f- to this stage we're in now, I found myself able to go, uh, if I didn't go to work, it doesn't quit, it doesn't slow down, it doesn't ask where I'm at, it doesn't wait to make a decision, It those people are in the right seat. I mean, right. it's just amazing, um, and what it took was to learn how I was involved in everything, but, you know, then you realize that you're not that good at everything, no. so then you get some people, Yep. you go, Okay, I'm still got my hands in stuff that I don't I don't own anymore. I need to let it go. Yep. The Lord's that, blessed this right. person with their skills that's and right. abilities way more than I me that, in that, that field. Exactly. Yeah. I'd let it go. They'd take it over. I would see that I could trust their decisions. I'd let a little more go. Mm. Another person, let a little more go, another person till finally, you know, there's some things that probably only I do mm-hmm. and I need to figure out how to teach those, not necessarily hand them off. Because we're also not big enough to have two Randys. Right, because Jim Powell told me one time uh, we were talking about hiring an assistant executive director, so not an assistant too, but an assistant executive director. And he said, "There's no nonprofit in East Tennessee big enough to have two leaders right. in place. You just don't have that kind of money, and uh, you know, and need." And right. I said, "Yep, yeah, thank you, right." When it comes down to it, unless you had a long time of planning on leaving, you don't, uh, you just don't have the money to to walk to people like that. Yep. So we have literally divided up, teamed up, uh, and I've just released ownership and trust people to do their roles, know how to uh, check them, know how to hold people accountable, yeah. know how to call them and say, you know, and, and how do you grow them through things instead of, I'm also not, I'm not hard. I'm real, I'm real easy, come across hard, people think, but not hard, real easy, real um um, moldable. I know that people are going to mess up. I've messed up too much. I guess that's why right. I know people are going to mess up. Yeah. And I've had grace given, so I give grace. I also know how to make a quick decision. Mm-hmm. And if you don't need on the bus, I don't have a problem letting you go real quick and easy. 
they say shoot them, what, shoot them in the head, not the stomach, so they don't bleed to death and <laughs> take them out quick. There's some leadership advice. There you go. <laughs> if you're somebody, you heard it here. If you're, right, you're going to let somebody go, don't do it on a Friday. That's right. That's right. <laughs> don't shoot them in the stomach. Oh, don't do this slow. That Friday afternoon deal. Oh, oh that's rough. It's going to kill your whole weekend. Yes. So, um, yeah, the, 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 you know, managing family and, the 27 years, I still look at it and go, I don't even know how I've done this. Mm-hmm. In my Just in my picture, I, I look at it and go, seven days a week. That's all it's ever been. I mean, yeah. It's just always been seven days a week. I will say that my generation, I'm the end of a generation that sometimes overworked. Um, we're, we're, we're married to the work. And I would say I am married to the work, but I like, I'd rather say I'm married to the ministry because – Everything I'm in, I feel like God's blessed and honors me in it. And so even as I do my kids and as I uh, try to be the husband I'm supposed to be in all of those things, I just try to do them where I'm at at the time. I try to do them the way they're honoring God. That's the way I know how. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a little angst in my heart for the next generations because that grit word and just getting after it and working hard and good way to say it just putting your you know shoulder to the grindstone and going at it i mean it just yeah and not you don't see it as much and not quitting i mean i mean just literally and i mean i hear it like you said i've got six kids so most of my kids are in their 20s now and so the their biggest challenge is hitting the three-month mark and not wanting to quit everything because they're no longer, it's either I'm not, as, I'm not happy or right. I don't feel good or it's not exciting anymore. It got hard. Yeah. 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 It's just no fun. I'm like, well, yeah, it's the same fun it was. Yeah. It's you that's got your change. perspective on it. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. Because then I was running tire stores, dude. Right. I, I absolutely loved my work. Yeah. I just love dealing with people. And yeah. Love. Me too. I love people. And it was there was nothing easy gosh about oh what we gosh. did and there were hard people to do every time with. i go to the tire store i'm like thank you for these guys like because they're just I, I, yeah i mean people need to because it is the, it's one of the hardest you. jobs around mm-hmm. oh my gosh yeah yeah, yeah. People and you're always serve. dirty you're always i mean that's right and when you've got somebody's car i mean be serious right when you've got their car you've you you, you it's like having their phone you you need to give it back yeah. as quick as you can <laughs> in better shape and than it was. That's right. That's and right. it needs to be working. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, anything that I didn't ask you, you want to share? Hey, uh, a lot of people, if I, you know, I don't know your listener base, uh, but I we know got there people all be over really the cool place. People. I got a buddy in Maine who's listening. Oh, to that's right good. Now. Yeah. Well, well, welcome to all you guys. Um, I had somebody tell me the other day, uh, my accent there, I was hard to explain, hard to understand. And oh. I thought, I had no idea I had an accent. What's that all about? Yeah, I didn't hear it. Country. At all. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't I think, think I'm that country. You sound just like me. Good. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I understand every word you said. That's funny. I have a, uh, a real uh, real quick, for some folks may listen who are locally, I don't know. We just had a, 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 our second grandbaby ah, who yes. was born premature at one pound, four ounces. <sighs> and we went through, I'm telling you, my daughter has been... She, nine months ago, she went into the hospital. She was there for 40, 42 days. And during that window, I would go to work at 8 o'clock. You told me this. I was, yeah, I'd go to work at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'd hit the hospital at 8 o'clock in the evening because they closed the doors because of corona. And I'd stay all night and get up and go to work the next morning from the hospital. And I'd do that four days in a row. I'd, I'd do that four out of seven days. And did that for 42, for, for six weeks, that would be. 
um, did that for six weeks and never once got tired, never once got up and was like, do I really have to do this again? It was crazy. And that to me is just God. That's God. That right. is God doing something in the moment mm-hmm. that you With don't your get body. That's right. Just giving you energy that, mm-hmm. I mean, he creates it all. So it is every bit of it. So it's just amazing. Maverick is now 10 pounds. That's awesome. Crossed over 10 pounds. And he is the prettiest little boy. Golly day. He's home gone through hell and back but gosh he's you know it's going to be a cool he's going to have a cool story to tell when he yeah, goes up yeah so if you're listening pray for little maverick to yep, continue to great. develop and and each one of us yeah, yeah i'll yeah. take your prayers anytime yeah for sure so, yeah. all of us need them yeah, all we the got, time you know the yeah. ministry that's going on in the world and the situation our society's in in regards to their the lack of care for one another and yeah. lack of respect for the world that we have and the, and the leaders in the world mm. i got people that i minister to that really struggle because i won't take a side in politics and right don't get me wrong i'm i'm a, I'm a very conservative individual but i'm just a christian mm-hmm. that believe that god said he put all leaders in place so he anoints the kings I'm praying, and yeah man for our leadership sure and uh, I, do too. I hope everybody else will consider that idea too i like that yeah we um yeah we pray for our president um okay well Thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you, listeners, for listening to Mr. Randy Hensley and myself. And, um, yeah, we just are so blessed to live in a beautiful part of Tennessee. And if you want to come make it your home, I would love to help you. My name is Colin Johnson with the Colin and Carly Group and Keller Williams Realty. So, um, yeah, have a great Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, thanks for coming in, and I hope you guys have a great Christmas season, and we love you, and come see us in Johnson City. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs>